Welcome to The Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks. It's Saturday morning. Hope you got your cup of coffee. Uh, we're kind of in post-flower show hangover. That flower show is always hard on us. You know, all you beautiful people come out, you ask all these questions. It's kind of like trial by fire. It's like a memorial weekend, you know, in the middle of March for us. Um, just a ton of questions. Um, I hope we were able to answer some of them. I hope you enjoyed the hort couture stuff that we have. Um, it's a really exciting line. One of those things that uh, I'm looking forward to adding into my uh, landscape this year, especially around my patio. We're going to have Jim Massey in this week again, and uh, we're not going to talk perennials. We're going to talk nutrient shrub stuff. Really cool, different, you know, plants. You know, we're getting ready to receive a bunch of nursery stock, as long as Mother Nature, you know, provides us the right conditions. But we always try to get our plants coming in as early as possible to get them acclimated to our our environment so we don't have frost issues and and some of those things so typically right after the flower show is is the time frame when we start talking with our suppliers start getting trucks rolling um and it's a time of year when we start setting up benching, getting the yard cleaned up, finding, you know, those signs that we've put away for the winter, starting to get ready for the masses of, of customers to arrive in, in April. So, you know, here we are. We're, we're mid-March. Things are humstrumming along. Uh, the days are definitely feeling, you know, a little warmer. That sun, you know, is just powerful in the greenhouses. We're typically not heating at this point uh, during the day. We're actually venting. So instead of oil, uh, we're running electricity. So we're always spending some sort of money on on these lovely plants we're growing for you. But at this point, the plants are just exploding with growth. Um, we're starting to pot a lot of our four-inch crops. The first ones are starting to, you know, get potted and and ready. We're growing a lot of our proven winter product. Um, we've planted a bunch of the hort couture line i want to make sure everybody understands how much growing we actually do um we grow probably about 99 percent of our annuals right at our yarmouth store um, a lot of folks don't realize that we have 28 greenhouses in yarmouth um, and then we have a few more in our other stores our other stores in scarborough and kennebunk we don't grow in um, we ship from our Yarmouth store to those stores. But in Yarmouth, we have 28 greenhouses, a little over an acre of greenhouse space under cover. And so we grow thousands and thousands of hanging baskets, four-inch pots, six-inch pots, one-gallon perennials, two-gallon perennials, patio pots, all sorts of different things for your needs. But it's important to shop with your independent garden centers that that are growing as much of the product as they can. We can't grow everything. It's impossible. We don't have enough space, unfortunately. But we try to grow as much product as we can that is different from what we can get from other growers. So it gives us a very distinct advantage to you know, providing a lot of different types of products. Um, and this year, there's just so many new things I, I, I can't even tell you. If you visited our Facebook page at all, um, I would recommend going there. I've been posting pictures along the way. You know, a couple weeks ago, I posted a picture of a new petunia. 
you know, there are just so many new things. Uh, I show you when the pansies are starting to bloom. My cousin John's posting videos of our production facility and and, uh, growing pansies and other things. So visit our Facebook page. It's a great way to interact with us, uh, see different things that are going on throughout the week, uh, show you different products that are starting to bloom in the garden center. Just a great way to kind of see pictures. Um, You know, we'd send you our e-news every Thursday. But the Facebook page is is another media which you can interact with us, see new things on a very quick soundbite type scenario, whether it be a video, whether it be a picture, a really easy way to kind of interact with us. So visit our Facebook page. Um, We're going to start off with a question from Caroline. Caroline's in Scarborough, and uh, she had an amaryllis. And her, my amaryllis has formed a pod where the flowers used to be. What do I do with it, and how do I care for it? Well, um, Caroline, what's happened is you've got a seed pod. So the flowers went by, um, and basically what has happened is it has formed a seed pod. Now, normally on amaryllis, we like to take the flowers off almost immediately after they go by. And part of the reason is we don't really want them to go to seed if possible. Um, You can't really grow amaryllis from seed. It's such a long process. The Dutch do a much better job growing amaryllis than we do here in the United States. It's it's a much better environment for amaryllis to grow. Um, Amaryllis are one of those things you can use them year after year, but you have to make them rest or put them dormant at a certain point in the season. So my suggestion is cut that flower stalk off, get rid of the seed, Getting rid of that seed pod will really make a big difference in making sure that the energy goes back into the bulb. So a lot of times by taking off that bloom stem, you may get another bloom stem, or you'll start to get a tremendous amount of foliage coming out of the plant. The foliage is something that will help feed the bulb. Um, So we want to make sure and keep that that growth nice and green, you know, a limited amount of organic fertilizer once in a while. Feed that bulb, and then later on in the season, you know, maybe we'll put it out on the patio for the summer. And then towards fall, we're going to want that to go dormant. And it needs to go dormant for a period of time. So maybe we'll cut back on the water. At a certain point, kind of the plant will dry out. Um, the leaves will yellow. We can cut them off. And then we'll store it in a nice um, brown paper bag. Um, go to your pet store and buy shavings for like a hamster cage or something like that. They're completely dry. It will suck the moisture out of the bulb a little bit and make sure it doesn't rot. Then we can repot it later on towards Thanksgiving or Christmas. If you don't want to go through all of that, my recommendation is after the plant is done, just pitch it. You know, personally, um, that's what I do with my amaryllis is once I've enjoyed them, the bigger the amaryllis bulb, the more bloom power you're going to have. So a lot of times you'll come into the garden center and you'll see these little gift packs of um, amaryllis. And those are wonderful for a gift. They're, you know, very inexpensive, um, an easy way to buy an amaryllis bulb, very affordable. But the bulb size is very small. So open up that box and look at the bulb size. And we sell boxed amaryllis. They sell very well for us. But then you'll also see boxes and boxes of amaryllis that are gigantic 
They're the size of a softball. These amaryllis are phenomenal. Number one, they come in multiple multitude of colors. But the one thing about them is you get three, four, and five bloom stems off of them. Because they're bigger, they have more energy in the bulb, you're going to enjoy them for probably anywhere from three to six months. Typically, they don't bloom for Christmas. So you want to be cautious about if you're planning for Christmas and having an amaryllis for Christmas. The trick and rule of thumb if you want an amaryllis for Christmas is when you purchase the bulb, if you see the buds swelling out of the bulb, then that's probably going to make Christmas. If you don't, if it's completely dormant, you don't see any active growth, the likelihood is they will be after Christmas. But amaryllis is one of those plants that we love to enjoy. It's another one that's been around forever. The bigger the bulb size, the more bloom time, the more power. You know, you're going to pay two to three times more for that bulb, but you're going to get two to three more times flowers. So it's all what you want in an amaryllis bulb. Um, My suggestion is once they're done blooming, replace them the next season. The amount of time, energy to get them to a point where you've got enough energy back into the bulb is always a tough thing. Having the right conditions makes a huge difference. Carolyn, I hope that answers your questions. Um, Today, we're going to be talking with Jim Massey coming up. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to For the Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks on News Talk WLOB. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Thank you for calling Discover Card. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I've got nothing to hide. My bill is due today and I haven't paid yet. Is that a confession? Have I committed a crime? Nope. With our new hit card, you can pay up till midnight Eastern Time by phone or online the day it's due. Convenient. How do I know you're telling the truth? Because I work for Discover Card. Got a witness to verify that? Just you. You called me. Okay, that checks out. You recording this? Yes, I am. Good, so am I. I would like a copy. Copy that. Copy that. Copy that. Finally, a credit card that treats you like you'd treat you. Payment flexibility. Get the new IT card at discover.com. Bullfrog sunscreen passes the toughest tests under the sun. Listen to mom and marathoner Rachel Munoz. My choice is Bullfrog Marathon Mist. I accidentally stumbled upon it because I was running a marathon here in the summer in Mississippi. I fell in love with it. When I put it on my kids, I can put it on really fast and I don't have to worry. Bullfrog, it just stays on. Bullfrog Marathon Mist. Broad spectrum sunscreen engineered to stay put in and out of the water. Water resistant 80 minutes uses directed. Bullfrog on Facebook and Twitter. 
Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening. Uh, we're going to be talking with Jim Massey, uh, nursery manager for Hesterbrooks in Yarmouth. He's been on the show a couple times now, and we've had some really good feedback about the new plants that we've got going on. We've been in the past talking perennials, and today we thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about trees and shrubs. So welcome, Jim. Hey, thank you. Good to talk with you again. New trees and shrubs. Gosh, there's so many new plants. Um, <laughs> You know, last week we were at the flower show, and you know people are excited about spring and asking about new stuff. And we had all the hort couture stuff, which are a bunch of our new annuals. We've talked a little bit about some of our new perennials, and there's so many more that you know people will be coming into the garden center. But uh, tell us a little bit about some of the new tree and shrubs that we have for this year. Oh, sure. Um, lots of different shapes and different colors for this spring. You know. Lots of um, variations on our familiar uh, classics. So one of the ones that, um, you know, is a great harbinger of spring in the proven winter line is a uh, type of forsythia, dwarf type of forsythia, called show-off starlet. And um, show-off is uh, typically a larger plant, four to five feet tall, covered in yellow flowers. Um, this plant is a dwarf form, blooms around, you know, the forsythia time, April, depending on the weather. But just two to three feet and, you know, so full of flowers it's just covered. So that gives a great kickoff to spring. So It's a really tough plant to see through when it's in blossom. Exactly, yep. It's like so a little mound. Extra yep. big flowers? Um, the flowers are larger, but they're just more placed on each stem. So, okay. you know, there's very little way that you can see through the plant when it's in flower. So. Wow. Yeah. And, um, Good classic, nice update, and perfect size. Right. So we're we're typically seeing the shrubs that are coming out to be a little bit dwarfer. Correct. Again, falling in line with um, perennials and getting more impact in smaller spaces, it really seems to be a theme. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And um, along the proven winter line, I've got a bunch of um, proven winter plants to talk about. Shrubs especially, they've come, you know, great leaps and bounds. Um, there's a new uh, type of quince, again, an old classic, very easy to grow, like forsythia, spring bloomer. Uh, double take scarlet is uh, a newer variety. It has double scarlet orange flowers. Um, this plant is compact, three to four feet tall, and uh, no thorns or fruit. So, um, you know, the older quinces, you know, sometimes if they need a little bit of pruning because they got so large, you know, mm -hmm. the old forms, uh, you know, would be quite a challenge to get in there with all the thorns they produced. Um, these do not produce thorns or fruit, so it kind of negates any messes that you might have with the plant or, or what have you. So, yeah, so it's a great plant. And the new growth is kind of a bronzy colored, nice light green leaves, shiny leaves. And then you have those great large flowers. The flowers can be up to two inches across. So, no kind of cool. quince jelly though. No quince jelly, <laughs> but the, the the ornamentals are you know the the fruit isn't as good. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're bred for the flower and the shape. They're Correct. a little more upright too. Yeah, a little bit more upright in stance, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so they really show nicely because it's a, a more upright plant. Um, you know, great. Because we can use this plant a little bit closer to walkways and areas that people travel where with those big thorns of the old-fashioned types, we really wanted them farther away. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah. A little bit more user-friendly. Um, you know, the next plant in the Proven Winter 
it's not as new this year. We just saw it creeping onto the market last year, mm-hmm. but um, it's kind of one of my favorites, you know, uh, as well as just for an, uh, an evergreen for, you know, all seasons. So, you know, anything that um, is interesting in the background of your colorful shrubs, this is an evergreen called Soft Serve False Cypress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very uniform kind of gumdrop-shaped plant, if you will. The, f- the foliage, like I say, it's an evergreen. The foliage is um, kind of a cedar-like foliage, but it has kind of a bluish-green tinge. Mm-hmm. So the underside of the foliage, you have a silvery-blue color, so it adds a lot of um, texture in the garden. And this plant gets to be about five to six feet tall in a normal, you know, typical 10-year amount of time. Um, great plant. Gives you a classic feel, but gives you something a little bit different to use. You know, if you didn't want to use like a yew or, you know, something that might, or a dwarf Alberta spruce even, something might get a little, be a little bit uh, something we've had around a while, but this plant would be a new version of that. So it gives you a classic look with a newer plant. So okay. kind of interesting plant. Are we going to have deer issues with this plant? Well, the fault cypresses tend to not have deer issues um, unless you're in a really heavy traffic area. Uh, so it's unusual that the deer would bother these. I've seen it very rarely on fall cypress. Here. Okay. Um, another plant, and this one would be maybe deer food, although I've never seen it touched, although um, it's a uh, globe arborvitae. It's a dwarf. Again, it's in the proven winter line of um, color shrubs. This is a fire chief globe arborvitae. So it has a yellow kind of um, really fine foliage, which adds great winter structure in the garden, winter texture and color. Mm -hmm. It's round. It gets to be about two to three feet tall. Like I say, rounded globe. And then uh, the foliage, as the cold weather comes on, it takes on an orange-red tone for the the, um, winter color. So So fall, winter interest. Yeah. Nice. I've never seen deer eat these, although they tend to eat other arborvitae, but I haven't seen it happen on this particular plant. So, Yeah, I think if you kept it closer to the patio or in, right. and closer to the house, you might have less opportunity for that. Correct. Yeah. Planting it along the wood line might be an issue. Right, exactly. Mm. Yep. And um, so keeping in line, you know, spring shrubs and new New, we have a, a new lilac offering as well. Um, you know, an old standby in Maine, very easy to grow. This one's called Agincourt Beauty, okay? Everybody comes in in the spring looking for a dark purple, deep dark purple lilac. Um, this is an excellent variety to fit that bill, incredibly fragrant. These plants would bloom in the May time frame. They grow about six to eight feet tall. Um, the panicle of flower, that's the, the, you know, the whole cluster of flowers called a panicle. Each flower is um, individually larger as well. Deep, dark, purple bud that opens to a deep, wine purple, fragrant flower. So um, kind of an excellent you know, addition to any spring landscape, I would think. I think that one will be hot this spring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, every spring we have people flocking to the garden center for that dark, wine purple color exactly. um, it's one of those things we can never get enough of absolutely transitioning if you wanted into um, you know a little bit later in the season there is another uh, hydrangea coming out this year called um, tough stuff 
which is a uh, interesting name on a small compact bloomer. Some of the older types um, got a little too large for people. This one's going to be in the two to three foot size range. This is a lace cap type, um, so you get a lot of large flowers or florets on the outside of the, the flower cluster, and then inside you have a bunch of small flowers that don't seem like they're open. just gives a more um, delicate look to the whole blossom. This plant is usually blue in our climate, and um, it has, a, in the interior of each flower, it's got a greenish-white eye, so it adds a lot of interest, and it also blooms on new wood, which, you know, in some of our main winters is important for us in a hydrangea. Absolutely, and it's a serrata type. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, serrata types, they're more of a, a Japanese mountain andromeda, um, mountain hydrangea. Uh, it's related to the big bonity um, macrophylla types that we're more commonly seen in Maine. But these plants uh, have been discovered to be a little bit on the hardier side. They're a little bit more delicate in appearance than the others, although tougher. And the fall color is a great um, bronzish fall color on most of the serratas as well. Yeah. How yeah. many hydrangeas do we need? <laughs> well, <laughs> Tough stuff sounds, sounds like an interesting one, and there's a multitude of different ones coming on the market. We can't talk about all of them. They keep coming up with new ones, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a market. I mean, um, hydrangea, they just give us so much for so long in the garden, you know. So um, is enough, is uh, too many, too, you know, enough, too much? I, you know, I, it's, um, it's something else. So. Makes it a tough choice for us on which ones to provide. Exactly, yeah. So I have some trees as well. Um, you know, trees, especially flowering trees, um, we've seen kind of everything, you know, we've seen the crab apples. You know, I have a ch couple trees that give you a little bit more layer in the garden than just, you know, the spring bloom. This is a newer plant for us called Golden Shadows Dogwood. It's a mm. uh, pagoda dogwood. Uh, it's a variety of our native dogwood, um, usually in the 8 to 10 foot range. It's zone 4 hardy. This plant is really cool because it has uh, leaves that emerge in this um, coppery color. Then as the summer, uh, spring progresses, the copper comes off those leaves. It, they change to a yellow and lime green variegation, which holds throughout the season. And um, these leaves are all set up on a plant that's very open in form, has a uh, really interesting dark purple stem throughout the season. So those... Uh, those leaves really shine on that. It handles sun to partial shade. Again, it's a native, so we know it's tough for Maine. And then, uh, you know, the foliage gets a beautiful kind of, you know, reddish color in the fall as well. So kind of a slow-growing um, plant, but, you know, very key for a certain spot in the yard, sun partial shade. I really like this pagoda dogwood. Um, it's it's a, a plant that I think is going to add a lot of interest in that kind of filtered sun situation um it's going to be a plant that gives you a really great winter structure oh yeah and you know a friend of mine they say this plant's slow growing a friend of mine put one in and i was very surprised at how quickly it came along and um started to really you know take a spot in the garden so yeah it's not going to be a plant that we're going to have huge sizes it's going to be smaller sizes because it's fairly new 
Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jim, I think we're going to take a quick break. Okay. Um, we'll be right back with the, for the Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks on News Talk WLOB. has a special announcement for northbound drivers who routinely take I-295's exit 15 in Yarmouth. Stop taking exit 15. I repeat, stop taking exit 15. It's not your exit anymore. It was your exit once, but not now. Forget about northbound exit 15. Exit 15 is not for you. Actually, Maine DOT is adding a brand new on-ramp there, and to do that safely and quickly, closing exit 15 is required starting March 12th. So if you're driving northbound on Interstate 295 and headed for Route 1 in Yarmouth, take Exit 10 in Falmouth or Exit 17. Temporary traffic signals will make taking those alternate exits safe and convenient. You can take Exit 15 southbound, but just forget all about Exit 15 northbound, at least until June. Sometime in June, you can take Exit 15 then. Take it all you want. Exit 15 will be yours once again. A message from Maine DOT. There's better road ahead. Drive safely. Back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. We're talking with Jim Massey about new trees and shrubs this week. And uh, after hitting the flower show and seeing all the different things there, um, customers have obviously their heads are all kind of going. They're starting to try to think about planning for next year. Jim, talk to us a little bit about uh, before we get to some more new plants. Let's talk a little bit about the benefits of, of customers coming in and talking to us in the garden center this time of year. Wow. Uh, that, that's, the benefits are huge. It's great to put a, a face to the challenge often. Many times, you know, we have a lot more to offer as far as, like, sighting of particular plants. A lot of plants are very easy to grow, but there's just a few tricks that you might need to know in your yard, where to place it, how to, how to water it, which really a face-to-face meeting is the best way to, to accomplish, you know. So. And, of course, the nursery looks great, <laughs> too. And so it's a little bit of, um, you know, therapy for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to visit. Um, we get to, you know, provide some help and, uh, you know, maybe ID some pest problems, too, with some samples. So it's and really great to get um, an eye on that. And we always know, have what we call customer request sheets in the Mm -hmm. nursery so even if we don't have it and don't have it on order for spring um you know we like to take that information so we can get back to right and you know a lot of times you know we want to have everything in the nursery um sometimes it's just not possible so those request sheets are great then we can look for the plant if it becomes available we can give you a call and let you know all the details about that item when it might be available um, and then we can move forward from there. So it's a great, you know, um, if we don't know we're supposed to be looking for it, you know, uh, it's a great reminder for us. The season is jam full of um, all kinds of cool, colorful stuff. So Absolutely. Yeah. So what other trees and shrubs do we have? Well, I've got one other really interesting tree to talk about, and then I have actually some um, some interesting fruits. You know, fruit fruit production has been expanding, you know, greatly, and so we can get right to fruit after this tree. The tree that I had picked out is called uh, Japanese Snowbell. Um, the variety that we're going to have is called Snow Cone. This plant is um, 
really a small landscape tree, um, handles, you know, part sun to full sun, um, pretty tolerant of a wide range of soil types. You're going to look at 12 to 18 feet in, I say, 10 to 15 years. End of May to June, it has dangling white flowers with yellow centers that are fragrant. Um, interesting, kind of a greenish egg-shaped fruit after the flower petals fall. And the branching structure of the plant is really delicate, uh, very fine branching, dark green, shiny leaves, as well as kind of a gray, really refined bark. So it's a really interesting specimen that uh, won't be seen everywhere. And um, we have one here at the nursery that I could show anybody that wanted to come in. It's really responded well and very exciting plant. So again, moving from you know the tree section, you know, fruit has been very, um, very popular in the next few, last few years. You know, last year there was a blueberry introduction, um, pink lemonade, mm. which is a pink blueberry that has the taste of, of a purple one. So a little bit different in, in introduction there. Smaller grower, you know, easier to fit into gardens. So if people miss that, we will have that again this year. Um, we also added um, this year there's a few... Uh, a brand of fruit shrubs called brazil berries, mm -hmm. and those include blueberries and raspberries. A couple of blueberry additions that we have, uh, the brazil berry series are a bunch of smaller plants that actually are focused on having the same size fruit. So you can use these plants again in smaller areas, get more in that area to get more out of your crop by, you know, planting uh, more plants, smaller plants, but more plants that fruit just as much, or using them in a patio situation, which is kind of an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. So the blueberries that I had in that line, there's one called jelly bean blueberry. Again, it's a compact blueberry with large berries. So you're going to have that large type berry that are going to be anywhere from, you know, a half an inch you know, or larger, mm -hmm. and they fruit in mid-July. So, again, great for patios. Jelly bean also has great fall color, and you can use it in a patio situation or a container or actually in the landscape. I think yeah. the big thing about some of these brazzleberries yeah. or brazzleberries, however yeah. you want to pronounce it, yeah. um, is that there is a very good ornamental you know, use for them also. Because they are smaller, you can mix them into your perennial borders, mix them in with your other shrubs, have a fruit which you can harvest, but then also there's nice fall color. There's The flowers are, are profuse because there are so many berries on them, and the fall color on blueberries are always phenomenal. Right, and, you know, these are great, you know, tucked in. Again, very tough plants, so you can tuck them in, especially the blueberries, kind of around the base of other shrubs in the landscape. So you, like like you said, you get really double duty out of that plant, or triple duty, you know, so. And good good uh, wildlife attraction, too. Exactly. You know, birds exactly. are going to love them. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're going to get a whole host of different things that are going to happen. Um, you got to protect them from the birds, otherwise you won't get any fruit. Right. Let's face it, those birds are more aggressive than we are to get out there and pick some of this stuff. Yeah, double-edged sword with the birds. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, these are also compact plants, so they're easier to get all those ground-feeding birds as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. There's another one in that sister to jelly bean, if you will, is called peach sorbet blueberry. Love that name. Yeah, and um, it's nearly not a, so much about the fruit, 
It's about the foliage color, and um, it's evergreen as well. So we haven't really seen it um, growing up here uh, yet, but the foliage is um, purported to be evergreen here, as well as the new foliage comes out with beautiful creamy peach tones as it emerges in the spring. You get a lot of great flowers, um, just like the jelly bean, blueberry, and as well as great fruit. So you've got, again, an extra layer of ornament. Now we're talking plant. ornamental, for yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, Plus the fruit, you know, now, now we've got a perfect scenario to add into the landscape. Right. So it doesn't stop with blueberries. They also have a raspberry shortcake plant. Um, again, in the name, you can kind of feel that it's a dwarfer plant, mm-hmm. raspberry shortcake. They're going to be about three feet tall. These raspberries are going to be very large berries, but the plant doesn't need staking. So, you know, with older raspberry varieties, you were always trying to figure out what to do with them when they got to a certain point and they were bending over and then, you know, you couldn't get in there. As well with the dwarf form and uh, no need for staking, these have no thorns as well. So, Ooh, raspberry with no thorns. I know. Sign me up. That's right. So you can get in there and pick to your heart's content without worrying about, you know, being bitten while you're doing it. This is a perfect plant for kids. You know, if you want to get your kids involved in gardening, eating fresh fruits out of your garden and and yard, that's a perfect scenario. Wow. And they're the right height for them also. Right. Right at eye level. Mm. Yeah. So... You know, we've been hearing a lot of, you know, antioxidant talk and, you know, blueberry. We've been talking about blueberries and raspberries, which are both high in antioxidants. Kind of another exciting um, berry, if you will, actually related to a tomato, but is the goji berry. I'm sure uh, people have been hearing about goji berry in the news, at health food store, what have you. Goji berry is, uh, like I say, related to the tomato. Uh, This plant is um, an upright plant, loves full sun, not particular about soils, handle drought, like all of these fruits that I mentioned will handle drought once established. The goji berry blooms in the spring with these little tomato-like flowers of white and purple, so you've got great um, ornamentation then. Then it comes out with uh, small, you know, blue-green, kind of blue-green leaves. As the um, flowers fall, they mature to grape-sized, kind of oblong, bright red fruit, which you can dry. They have a kind of a sweet taste. You can use them in salsas and, you know, any kind of preserves. And again, the highest antioxidant count of, of the fruits that I mentioned, the basil berries or raspberry or blueberries. So kind of a fun um, new fruit to offer, you know, and be able to grow here in Maine. And we're, we're, Jim, we're not quite convinced on the hardiness of this plant so far. Well, some people listing it as a zone 5, some as a zone 6. You know, uh, I know that we in Maine, our zones have gotten warmer, so that is encouraging me to think that we could, you know, in a protected spot, you know, pop one in. You know, I'm certainly going to give it a whirl and give it a try at my house. So, you know, a protected spot in Zone 5, I think, would be a pretty much sure thing. I think a little bit of maybe mulch in the winter, a little straw or mm-hmm. something like that would be great. But I think it's worth a shot. So. Absolutely. I think the, the return on investment is, is going to be great with this plant, even if you, they don't always winter. Um, I, I think the cost of, of 
the fruit in the store is really expensive. Correct, yeah. I mean, depending on, you know, what your growing season is like, but this plant is, is um, reported to be, you know, incredibly floriferous and produce a lot. So I'm sure you could reap, you know, the reward there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. so a lot that's new. Talk to us a little bit, you know, we're, we're mid to late March now, you know, the trucks are starting to roll. What's The nursery is starting to come alive. Yeah. A lot of these plants will be starting to roll in sometime in, in late March, early April. I want to make sure customers understand if they want to custom order plants, you know, getting into the nursery and talking to us is really important. I talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show. And, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about we buy from many, many states across this country. And, you know, weather conditions can dictate when plants are able to be dug and and how we can receive them. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, there's such a varied way to get material um, in a nursery. And if you would just either email me, which is jim at estabrooksonline.com, or or you could email you as well, Tom, tom at estabrooksonline.com, we can certainly give you an idea of what the ideal was with shipment. You know, very rarely when we do confirm a plant, it becomes not available. Sometimes, you know, I'll ask a supplier for a certain plant, they confirm it, and it doesn't show on the truck, but that's incredibly rare. I mean, most of the suppliers we have, you know, are really great about, you know, their inventory and getting shrubs to you. And so, again, that particular variety, if you're looking for a particular variety, um, you know, we have a pretty broad reach out there. So we can certainly, you know, comb through and see who has what and what kind of offerings. Not everybody carries every every um, material. Some nurseries specialize in certain materials. So, Well, I, I think that's really important to make sure customers understand that, you know, the earlier they talk with us, the more consistent we can be to fill their needs. Um, Jim, I'd like to thank you for being on the show today. Um, plenty of new varieties coming down. We've got more perennials to talk in the future. We've got more trees and shrubs. You know, we're trying to kind of give people an idea of some of the new things, but coming into the garden center is always the best way, you know, to see them, feel them, touch them. Thanks for being on the show. Well, I just wanted to thank you, Tom, and I uh, look forward to talking again with you. And we're going to take a quick break from The Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Hey, Mom, I'm really star- starving for a snack. 
Yeah, I was thinking maybe some some pepperoni breadsticks. How did you know I love pepperoni? Wait, are you able to to read your mind? Of course, I'm a mom. So, you know about the C I got in geography? I do now. It's the recipe that's so easy, it's not a recipe. It's a recipe-easy, like Hormel pepperoni baked on top of breadsticks. Find more tasty ideas at recipeasy.com. Hormel, life better served. And welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. Um, we've been talking with Jim Massey, nursery manager at uh, Estabrooks in Yarmouth. And uh, uh, just a ton of new stuff. Um, too many varieties to talk about all in one show. Obviously, we've been talking about perennials throughout you know, the weeks here. And now we're talking trees and shrubs. Pretty soon, though, it's going to be just time to come into the garden center and check them out, which will be even better. I mean, it's great to talk to them here, talk about them here on the radio and, you know, describe them. But to get in and actually feel and touch and understand what they are, look at the tags, understand and stand there, talk to us about the varieties. That's always the best way. But, um, you know, visit our website, estabrooksonline.com, and, you know, it's a great way to... Um, look at pictures, read our descriptions. You also can uh, submit questions to uh, the radio show at estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. Um, or if you want, just uh, shoot us a, a question on Facebook. That's always another good way. But I want to talk a little bit about some more questions from customers. Um, we've got Michelle from South Portland, and uh, she's got a few questions, so we, we'll try to get to as many as we can. But um, one question is, how soon in the spring should I cut back bushes and shrubs such as Rosa Ragosa and endless, endless Summer Hydrangea? Wow. Well, we've covered this on past episodes, so you certainly can go back and, and uh, visit us on our website and play some of those shows. But a quick answer is, with Ragosa Rose, when the pruners are sharp, cut them. Doesn't matter what time of year, doesn't matter if spring, fall, summer, they rebound, they just explode with growth. Um, you know, it's one of those plants that is kind of ironclad. Um, I always recommend you prune by one third to one half every season. If it's a very overgrown area of Rosa Ragosa, you certainly can take it right back to the ground. If it's well-established, a lot of soccer growth, you know, you could go in as soon as the snow is gone and prune it right back to the ground. It will grow right back up. It'll flower very nicely. You know, so that's an easy one. Endless Summer Hydrangea is one of those plants that we need to be careful about pruning. Um, I would refer back to um, a show a few weeks ago. We went over Endless Summer in very, very big detail. But in a nutshell, don't prune your Endless Summer Hydrangea until June. Okay, don't take those stems off. Leave them. I know they look unsightly in the spring. Don't go in there when you're doing your spring cleaning and saying, oh, geez, those stems are dead. I'm just going to cut them back. Leave them. They're great stakes for the flowers when they get nice big blue flowers or pink flowers on them later in the season. It's a really good you know, staking system in there. Um, so wait till mid-June, then you can prune off the flowers. But go back and listen to the podcast. Um, all these shows are podcasts on iTunes, and they also are available on our website, Estabrooks Online. 
com backslash radio and there's nice descriptions on the shows that tell you the topics so you know if you go back in you'll be able to see Estabrooks you know and Endless Summer Hydrangea you know so you'll be able to quickly reference what we're talking about and it'll be a good way for you to make sure that you can go back and get good information along the way. We will repurpose these. They're on our Facebook page. Um, we put them on, on all sorts of different medias. But um, you also can listen to us live on WLOBradio.com. Click on the link, you know, Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. So you can listen to us live there or pick up the podcast. Um, it's a great way to keep interacting with us. Michelle also has a question. Um, when do I prune back azaleas, rhododendrons? You know, is it right after they're they're done blooming? And you're exactly right, Michelle. Rhododendrons set their flower buds for the following season. So you want to prune right after blossom. Azaleas, you've got deciduous and evergreen, and pretty much the same conditions for rhododendrons and azaleas as a rule of thumb. Now, there's a couple things you need to be careful about. We have in the deciduous azaleas, we have what we call summer flowering azaleas, and they don't bloom until June. And it's a very small flower. Um, They're not widely used out there. They should be used a lot more. They're also called swamp azaleas. Um, The nice part about those is they bloom later. So you want to be careful about pruning all your azaleas at the same time. But as a rule of thumb, with your rhododendron and azaleas, Pruning right after blossom is the best time. The key to success, though, to get good flowers is consistent pruning, pruning at the right time, and then water and fertilizer after pruning. A lot of people prune their their rhododendrons and azaleas, but then they don't do any type of stress relief on their rhododendrons and azaleas. So... Fertilizer and water throughout the summer months is a good thing. Um, you want to stop by, I would say, mid-July, 1st of August at the latest. We want them to slow down their growth, set their flower buds, be happy for fall, um, so we don't want to push too much growth. Um, with rhododendrons specifically, you can also candle what they call candle them, which is when the new growth comes out, you can just roll that new growth right off the top of the leaf. And that's another way to prune. But, you know, a lot of times you can just shear the plant or whatnot. Stress relief is really important on rhododendrons because there also is an insect that attacks rhododendrons and azaleas, and it's called lace bugs. We find them a lot on mountain andromedas, um, and lace bug will not attack a healthy rhododendron or mountain andromeda. So if we're watering and fertilizing in the summer months, what will happen is the lace bug will not attack the plant. If you look at your rhododendron, you'll look at the older leaves, and a lot of times what will it will look like is there's a whole bunch of speckling on the leaves. Not brown edges, not, you know, um, little holes, but an actual speckling. It's a it's a nice speckling. It it sometimes it will almost look like instead of the leaf being shiny, it will be very dull. That's a lace bug, and lace bug basically zaps all of the energy out of the plant. It's a sucking insect. It takes all the energy out of the plant, and you'll see your blossoming, and or your growth will go down significantly. So I hope that helps with your question, Michelle, on uh, rhododendrons. And your last question is about paper whites. Paper whites are past bloom. Now what? 
Do I let the leaves die down and put the bulbs aside? Do I keep them? What do I do with them? Okay, paper whites are basically a one-time use. There really isn't any way to get them back to looking good again for next holiday season. The cost of them is not very expensive, so it's not a major investment. So my suggestion is after your paper whites, just go ahead and pitch them. Put them in, in the compost pile. Um, you know. Then what I want you to do is make sure the container in which you use them in, make sure and wash it really well. If you put them into rocks um, or whatnot, make sure and maybe place those rocks in a solution of a little bit of bleach and water um, you know, or some cleaning solution that's going to kill any type of algae or anything on the rocks. And then you can reuse all of those materials for the next year when you come into the garden center and buy some, some more paper whites. Paper whites, I would recommend you buy multiple bulbs, okay? And what you can do is every time you get paper whites to the point of flower bud, you plant some new ones. By the time the paper whites are past bloom, your next crop will be coming on. So you can have paper whites all the way from, say, Thanksgiving time frame all the way until March. So you just have to have the bulbs, keep them in a cool, dry, dark place, and you can consistently have paper whites all winter long. But unfortunately, they will not come back. That is all for questions we have today. Um, we're going to leave you today with a tip of the week. And I want to talk about the trials and tribulations of finding a competent landscaper. There are many, many customers that come into the garden center every single year and complain about either a landscape job not being done right, they hired someone who didn't do their patio correct and it's three years later and the foundation has moved all around they have made poor choices for you the best scenario for you as a consumer is to make sure and talk to your landscape contractor about what they've done who they've done it for and get good references and talk with those references. Come in and talk with the garden centers about the landscapers you're thinking about hiring. Come in and get recommendations of companies. Landscape contractors are everywhere. There are many, many, many good companies. One thing I want to talk about is the Maine Landscape and Nursery Association has a certified landscape program. And there are many landscapers that are certified. And the one thing about certification that I like is the landscapers are kept up to date on the latest information when it comes to DEP, EPA, all of the different types of products and services that are out there. So they're educated consistently. That doesn't mean a landscaper that is not certified is not qualified, does not do a good job. There are many qualified, great landscapers. Come in and talk to us about landscape contractors. 
we're going to ask you about what you're looking to have done, what type of project you want, what type of contractor you're looking for. The biggest thing I want to stress is get multiple prices for projects and talk to them about what they're going to do for those prices. What type of base are they going to put in for that patio? You can go after pricing as your sole goal in getting a patio or getting a new landscape. It is never a good thing to buy the cheapest price. It never works out. There are many, many customers that come in here. They come in, they talk to us about what happened to their landscape. They talk to us about what happened to their walkway. They went after the cheap price more often than not. When we find out what they paid for the job, a lot of times there's no way someone could do the job appropriately for that money. If you want to save on money, do it yourself. If you want to save on money, do it yourself. Go to you know some of the great stone centers and buy the products. They'll help you. They'll teach you how to do it. They have classes. If you want to do your own landscape, come into the garden center and talk to us. We can walk you through what you need to do step by step. It's not rocket science. But the thing is, what is your time worth? If you're going to hire a great landscape contractor that's going to do a good job, it's very, very important that you come speak with us, speak with the contractor, ask questions, get educated before you have the meetings with your contractors. What you pay for is what you'll get. Once you've made those decisions, then you can go ahead, get out there, enjoy your garden. I hope you enjoyed another great Saturday here on For the Joy of Gardening, and we'll see you soon. So get out there and have fun. Enjoy your garden. Tune in every week from 7 to 8 a.m. at WLOB 1310 a.m. and WLOB To pick up the podcast, visit us at estabrooksonline.com and uh, enjoy your week. We hope to see you next week.